up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting edition of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, coming to you from our regularly scheduled night. Uncle Buck, uh, the sky's clear down there in North Mississippi. Yeah, man, it is a uh, little overcast, but 52 degrees. Uh, wear a short sleeve shirt, feel good outside. I don't want to jinx it, but tonight looks to be pretty good. Although, uh, given my last uh, month, I guess uh, I don't. I'm not placing any bets on having good weather for any stretch of time. Absolutely. You know, I've been enjoying some sunshine and beautiful weather out here at the beach. I've got some friends coming in town in a little over a month for a golf weekend, and they were uh, bemoaning the fact that they have several inches of snow in Boston right now. I'm like, just can't relate, man. It's sunny and 63 here. Yeah. I tell you what, um, there's no bad weather that would not scare that does not scare me anymore mm, so i'm sure uh, i've had to work through snow i've had to work through a tornado <laughs> hot weather cold weather it doesn't matter so <laughs> well it's part of being a power ranger i guess <laughs> that's it man if, i just know that if i know it's not here but if my power ever goes out it's like you know what drew's got this i'm not worried <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll get it to you quick <laughs> all right drew you know we <clears throat> normally start our nights off with a with a draft, and we've been enjoying that, doing different topics from what we'd uh, buy if we won the lottery, would we survive the zombie apocalypse, favorite sport, different things that we've drafted. And tonight's is going to be very similar, but we've had a rough few days as fans of the Memphis Grizzlies. For those of you keeping up at home, John Morant has had, a, has had better weekends than the I one he you, had. Rusty, you could not have put it more pleasantly. I think John Morant woke up Sunday or Saturday afternoon sometime in a haze to find that his phone has exploded with notifications Mm -hmm. uh, because he decided to um, flash a handgun in his own personal Instagram live channel. And uh, so what we reported last week with already some lawsuits about guns in his waistband, his team pointing guns allegedly at the Indiana Pacers staff. Like there's been some lead up to this. It's not just waving a gun, it's waving a gun and the backstory. Right. So we're going to we're going to get into all of John Morant's antics uh after we get through with our draft, but we get, did get to thinking and so we've been in a funk, you know, because John resulting from this has decided to take a little bit of time away to fix his issues and it's got us thinking about what our worst sports heartbreaks were. Because we are, we are mourning the season. We are currently mourning the number two seed now since we let, lost that last night. Yep. And so we are going to go draft style. We're going to do this as a snake draft. However, the only team that Rusty and I cross over on are the Grizzlies. And so we're not really – there's not much gamemanship going on in this draft. We're just going to tell everybody what our top five worst sports heartbreaks are. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew, you and I are fans of college colleges and some professional franchises that are known for some heartbreaking losses and heartbreaking seasons. So this was a very easy list for me to come up with. It took me all of about, I don't know, 48 seconds to know what my five were. Yeah, I, I told Rusty before we started the podcast, I said, oh, let me just jot these down real quick. And I think I got to like eight and 30 seconds, you know, yep. I've. Uh, I've often said that the College World Series has not been more well-deserved 
for a fan base than Ole Miss fan base who has nothing to celebrate since the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, so, man. We, we, uh, we, we didn't know what we were being either born into or choosing or going to school with. Like, I could have never known we were wee tots. But here we are. Uh, and I feel like a lot of sports fans can say that outside of some certain big markets or if you're a bandwagon fan. And, um, yeah, we take it, we've taken a lot of lumps over the years, and we're going to commiserate over those over the next few minutes. So I've got the first pick of the draft, and I will, you know, I told you that I had a bunch of different ideas that came to mind immediately, but there's always one that mm-hmm. was like, I still feel it in my gut. And after this game, my dad looked at me as we were in the stands, and he said, son, I apologize. I should have raised you an Alabama fan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that happened in 2015 when Ole Miss played Arkansas in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. And as the game wound down, Arkansas, in desperation, threw a pass to the sideline to Hunter Henry, who, with nothing else to do, chucked it over his head, onto the, bounced off the ground, and Alex Collins picked it up and ran it to the five-yard line and ultimately won the game. In old, against Ole Miss. And the reason why this one hurts so bad, you know, you have heartbreaks. I can go on and on for days about how games hurt. But what really takes them over the top and what will make this list is it's make or break a whole season. Like, this is it. This is culminated up to this. If I told you in 2015 that Ole Miss beats Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and then I think they're in the West. There's no way that you lose any more games. Like, there's no way you're not representing the West for your first ever ACC championship game appearance. But no, Hunter Henry throws that backwards lateral 25 yards on fourth and 25, and it crumbles right in our lap. And if you remember that season, the only other loss we had in the SEC was against Florida, Will Greer, who the Monday after they beat us tested positive for steroids and was banned <laughs> for the season. And so that that is the culmination. Like that is the best example I have for what an Ole Miss fan was like up until January the 26th, 2022, when we won the College World Series. It was always, the running joke was, we are Ole Miss. It wasn't a joke. It was, we are Ole Miss. W-A-O-M. You feel it in your gut. You know when it's coming. It's the boogeyman that's peeking around the corner. Anytime you have the slightest bit of hope, you know, as we learned in Ted Lasso, it's the hope that kills you, you know? Yeah. And just as soon as you get that hope, the boogeyman comes and just stabs you straight in the back and robs you blind. And that's what fourth and 25 was in a nutshell it was we are Ole Miss we're not allowed to have nice things our best season in since the 60s has been robbed by a blind lateral (laughs) return to the two-yard line in overtime yeah I feel that man as as a fan of a Mississippi college as well we can commiserate on a lot of those things maybe not quite in such an unlucky fashion but I'm going to back it up one year prior for my 
number one heartbreak. I was in Starkville when Mississippi State played Auburn, and the winner of that game pretty well decided was going to be the first ever number one team, <clears throat> excuse me, in the inaugural college football playoff poll. And we beat them. We beat Auburn to become the number one team in the country. And, I mean, Mississippi was on cloud nine, man. I know you've got them. I've got them. We've yeah. got the Sports Illustrated covers. Yeah, Mississippi the, Mayhem. You know, I've State's one. Ole Miss is two. I've got it as well. Ole Miss like, was four. But, sure. yes. <clears throat> it was the first time, like, college football ran through the state of Mississippi. It really did that yeah. year. Like, that was our year. 2014. Yep. 2014. And State won a couple of games as the number one team. And I thought we beat Arkansas. We beat um, things like Alcorn State. Like, this is our year. Like, this is the year that State makes an impact. Then November the 15th, 2014 happened. Drew, I was at State. I was down there at the field the last time Mississippi State beat Alabama in 2007. Anthony Johnson had a 110-yard pick six. Loudest I have ever heard Davis Wade. Um, Coach Kroom just had an emotional meltdown after the game. It was a phenomenal scene. We've not beat Alabama since, and that did not happen on November the 15th, 2014. Mississippi State came in as the number one team in the country, played Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium, got our butt kicked for three and a half quarters, made a roaring comeback in the fourth quarter to lose 25-20. I knew we were in trouble <clears throat> in the opening kickoff. But, you know, Alabama kind of hit us in the mouth. We hung with them for a little bit, and then about halfway through the first quarter, Alabama registered a safety, and I thought, this ain't good. That, this, you know, this is not good. When plays like that happen, a safety or a missed yeah. extra point, you know that will be the margin you lose by. Especially against Alabama. Yeah. You don't you don't beat Alabama giving up safeties and missing extra points. And we lost 25 to 20. We lost by five. We scored a touchdown to pull it to 25 20 with 15 seconds to go. And the worst part is I had hope. Like Ted Lasso said, man, hope kills you because the, the hope uh, that kills you. The uh, the onside kick hopped up and for about Point nine seconds was just fluttering in the air, surrounded by maroon jerseys, and it was gobbled up by the one Alabama player standing there, and Alabama won. The rest is history. Lost in Oxford to miss it to Ole Miss, and then uh, Georgia Tech ran, rushed for a cool 496 yards on us in the Orange Bowl, and just beat the crap out of us with that little trap. Um, yeah. So that what I remember about that season. And, uh, like you said, on the same week, October 4th, 2014, Ole Miss beat Alabama and Oxford. Mm-hmm. That same night, they uh, commemorated the Ice Bowl between Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Right. And Mississippi State won. And so that was that next issue of Sports Illustrated was the Mississippi Mayhem issue. Yeah. Ole Miss goes on to lose to Memphis, I believe. And – uh they enter the polls at four, Mississippi State at one, in the first ever college football playoff committee poll. Yep. We beat, because we and, beat Auburn, we beat Auburn at home, then we won at Kentucky, home against Arkansas, beat UT Martin, won three games, and then we lost to Alabama, and then beat Vandy, but then lost to Ole Miss and, and Georgia Tech to finish out that year. And that's what I was getting at, is because it, you were 9-0, and 
And that was the We Believe year, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was it, man. Yeah. No, that, that was the uh, Mississippi State, Alabama coming to town. We believe everything. It was on yeah, everything. Yeah, that was our year, man. Because we, we, had, we had won at LSU for the first time since like 1984 earlier that year. Dak rushed for 250, including that big 60-yarder right down the middle of uh, LSU's freaking football right. field, man. And I was That was his coming out Beach. party. I was in Orange Beach, Alabama having a pure D meltdown when that happened. And yeah. And – that's the thing as Ole Miss fans we remember is that you finished the year ten and two because Ole Miss got in the way. That was dear Dak pooped his pants. If y'all don't know, Dak pooped Allegedly. his pants during Allegedly. that game. Uh, he got hit in the stomach. He stayed on the ground for a minute. He limped to the locker room and came out with a new pair of pants. You tell me. So uh, it was muddy. <laughs> it was muddy. All right. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, 2014 Mississippi State Bama is my first one. Um, want to get the college out of the way because I'm a, I'm a professional sports fan, but college obviously matters. And there's a million Mississippi State games where we flubbed and I sat through the 6-3 to three loss at Auburn, you know, losing out on the Cam Newton sweet stakes could be in there. But I'm going to say my next one as a Chicago Cubs fan is kind of an obvious one. Oh, <laughs> Bartman. It was 2003. And I remember it like it was yesterday. In the moment. I lost my mind. Like Moises Alou looked like he was fitting to snag that ball. Hey, Mark there Fryer was, was no gonna shut him down. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hold your horses. I'm getting there. I was 16 in 2003 and thought, man, this is it. Like it was Bartman's fault. Like that's the only way we lost that game. Now as a, as a mature adult and watching the film, that ball was foul. Uh, I don't think Alou was going to catch it. It was a good foot, foot and a half away. Bartman kind of leaned out but came back to catch the ball. And plus, Mark Pryor had a meltdown, lost that game. That was game six. It wasn't even game seven. It was game six. Still had one more game that we could have won to beat the Florida Marlins with a young Miggy Cabrera and, and a, a loaded roster. Edgar Renteria, Gary Sheffield. Juan Pierre, like a great yeah. team. And we just couldn't do it. Lost yep, game the six. Thing. And we gave up five runs. And uh, that was the that was in the that seventh was- inning. And then we gave up five runs to, to to close out the game. Lost game seven. The Marlins ended up winning the World Series. So for the young Cubs fan that I was, that was like, I mean, that was a big deal, man. I didn't know what I was signing up for becoming a Cubs fan. And I thought, now I can blame it all on this one dude. When the reality was, I really wasn't going to catch that ball anyway. Yeah, what's often forgot about that game was that the Cubs were up multiple runs. That play. It was three to nothing at that point. It was three yeah. to nothing. And then they ended up, and I believe it was two outs when that ball was and then they ended up giving up five runs in that inning. Like they completely let just rattled them to the core. The it reminds me pitch. a lot because uh it reminded me a lot of that two thousand and eighteen Arkansas College World Series against yes. Florida State where they botched that they had this the third out right there to be caught and they dropped it and it fell yep. fa- fell foul. foul territory. And then they give up back to back hits. Yeah. Before you know it, Oregon State walks it off and then beats them in a decide yeah. all winner take all game three because the very next pitch is where the wheels really started coming off. Mark Pryor threw the ball about 62 feet and it just hit and skip ricocheted over and the first run scored to make it three to one. And it was, I mean, it was over from there, man. And just a yeah. utter meltdown Cubs lost five, three got smacked in game seven. That was it, man. At that point, at that point too, the Cubs were winning three games to two. And so that tied up the series, ultimately letting the Marlins win and then go on and win the World Series. Um, so for me, as a 16-year-old kid, I still remember the sting of that. That still gets me in my stomach, even though as an adult, I know it wasn't his fault. Right. And for me, around the same age, 
2003 is when I was 11. <laughs> and uh, it was my first experience with Ole Miss, you know, being good. My parents bought season tickets, started buying season tickets to Ole Miss football games when Eli was a redshirt sophomore. It was his first year as a starter. And so that was in 2001. And so 2003 gets here. Eli's a redshirt senior. Everybody knows he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. His team around him is terrible, but Eli is the savior. I mean, genuinely, he was billed to be the savior, and he was. And we went in to uh, – we were tied – I'm not going to get bogged down in trying to remember details for the sake of a podcast. We were playing LSU at home. The winner goes to Atlanta. Again, there's your shot for your first ever um, SEC championship game. And so Ole Miss is driving. Eli's driving. The clock's winding down. It's fourth down. They're at about the 20-yard line of LSU, and a touchdown ties it or wins it. I can't remember the final score. Anyways, because it didn't matter. Because what happened is Eli was under center, and as he takes the snap, the center, either Eli was slow or the center was too fast. Doug Buckles, the center, steps on Eli's foot, and he goes down, and the game is over. What was once cheering and hopeful and, oh, my goodness, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. We have faith. Eli's going to win the Heisman. Everything is good. I wouldn't want to be in any other spot than what we're at right now. In one second, it was over. Mm. And there went the SEC. And it still bugs me because we have a banner hanging in Vaughn Hemingway Stadium that says SEC West Champions from 2003. It was a shared title with LSU, and they went to Atlanta. I just want to take it down. Like It's, it's, like it's the- not... It's not we're not SEC West champions if you don't go to Atlanta. It's like the Arkansas participation ring tweet right before college baseball season. Like why right. are you tweeting out your participation ring when you got right. there and you dropped the ball? And you know or in your the case thing got is, stepped on. <laughs> is I'm sure they did it because they can't put a banner up for anything else since nineteen sixty something when they yeah. you know back when they used to share titles and there was no championship game, you've got three of those hanging up. And then past that, all you've got is the 2003 SEC West co-champions banner. It was like, nah. so you, I mean, you don't want to feel like you haven't done anything well for 70 years, but you haven't yeah. done anything well enough to get a banner, you know? So, yeah. uh, so that was my, my next one that that's my two old miss ones. I could, well, if we go into honorable mentions later, I can I can keep going. Yeah. Um, the next one, uh, I'm going to go pro with this one, and it's the only one that I thought me and Rusty may compete over, and it is the Grizzlies in the divisional round of the NBA playoffs, Game Six against Oklahoma City. Oh, you stole it, you son of a gun! When tempers got a little hot. And Zach Randolph punched our now beloved Stephen Adams and got suspended for game seven. And that was a team that would have won it all. I believe it with all my heart. They um, they would have beaten that. Uh, who was it that went to out of the West? The Mavericks. Uh, Dallas. The Dallas was a Cinderella story that made it out of the West. 
and ended up beating the Heat. It was the first year of the Heat uh, with the Heatles with Braun, Wade, and Bosch. The Grizzlies would have won that championship if Zebo doesn't get ejected. I mean, doesn't get suspended for game seven. True. This is the one, man. I remember right where I was standing when that when he when that went down. Um and like it really wasn't even a hit. LeBron got mugged worse that same night, and there was nothing that happened to the guy that hit LeBron. Zebo hit our now like back then, for those of you who hadn't been following the Grizz for a long time, Steven Adams is a is our lug, but he hadn't always been our lug. He used to be OKC's lug, who we didn't like at the time, because he's just a punk kid. Getting in Zebo's face, Zebo kind of gives him a little one of these. But the reason that he got ejected, or he got ejected and suspended for Game Seven, that was the you the real MVP year. And Adam Silver and like the NBA, like I'm not a big like sports or rig fan, so don't come at me. I'm not a tenfold hat conspiracy theorist, but Adam Silver was not going to stand for his league MVP getting bounced in the first round by the Memphis Grizzlies in a small market like that. Not when you've got a all-world talent like Kevin Durant. That's why Zebo yeah. got suspended because he was mauling Kendrick Perkins. That was the same series where Zebo said, I ain't worried about Perk. I've been mugging him since 16-year-old AAU. <laughs> that was the we don't bluff series. Like That was the series that like our coming out party and Adam Silver deflated that. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far as to say it was a conspiracy. You know, it's not a frozen envelope kind of situation for me. Mm. I do believe that it looked worse than it did because Zebo came from behind. Mm-hmm. He he did. It was kind of a he did was kind a, of cheap shot him. Like he he kind of punked him a little bit because Zebo came from behind Adams as he was Adams was in front of him running down the court. He yeah. caught him, and he tried to pass it off as a stumble, but it, we knew it wasn't. And we also it, knew what the Grizzlies were known for at that time. They were the physical team. They were the sure. bullies. Bull, where I'm from, bullies get bullied. You know right. that was Zebo, mm-hmm. and when he did that, it, he had a track record. The Grizzlies had a track record. Still, and man, you can, it was it was bootleg, is what it was, and it was to me, it was kind of an obvious play to keep your because, like, you're right. We had Dallas's number that year. We whipped Dallas every single time we played him there because they didn't have an answer for Zebo. OKC didn't have an answer for Zebo. He was bodying Perk. He was bodying Steven Adams. There was nothing they could do with him. And Chris Bosh didn't stand a chance. Zebo would have worked him in the paint like nobody's business. Well, that was our title year. I am convinced. Well, anybody who get beat by that Mavericks team in the NBA championship, the Grizzlies would have gotten them. Absolutely. Like if Dallas can beat you, we can beat you. Absolutely. That was uh that was our that was our year. That was our prime. And um you stole that one from me, but uh I, I've got some more, trust me, I've got a laundry list of sports heartbreaks <laughs> that I could go through. Um that one, uh, that one still obviously still stings to this day. All right. Um so then for my next one, I'm gonna stay professional. The year was two thousand. Uh, just a couple years removed from actually witnessing my first NFL football game, my all-star baseball coach was the Budweiser delivery man uh, and gave my family tickets to the Tennessee Titans-Jacksonville Jaguars game. It was played in Nashville back at the old um, Arkadelphia. Uh, Nissan? No, it was before Nissan. Um, oh, my gosh. I want to blank. I'll think of it here in a minute. Anyway, it was the original LP, name. LP Field? Before that, it started with an A. It was an original field. I'm trying to channel my inner Zach Jones here, but 
anyway, we had tickets in the corner of the end zone. I got to shake Eddie George and Javon Curse's hands. So I was like, dude, tighten up, man. Let's go. In the year 2000, they played for a Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams at the time, and Kurt Warner and Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. And uh, Titans really didn't have a shot. The Rams were a juggernaut on offense with Marshall Falk and just mauling people left and right. And Kevin Dyson caught a slant across the middle at about the three-yard line and lunged forward for the end zone and got tackled about a half-yard short. And the greatest show on turf went back-to-back winning Super Bowls after beating the uh, the Patriots. They beat the Titans, and the rest is history. Tennessee Titans lost by a half yard, and I was again at that at that age, 13 years old, devastated. I thought like I finally latched onto a winner. I've been a Cubs fan. They're terrible. Uh, it's no secret I grew up an Alabama fan. At that time, Alabama was trash, and like any sports teams that were good, Titans made the Super Bowl and lost by less than a freaking yard. Everybody's seen the image. Kevin Dyson's full arm stretched out. I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal tackle. Just a great form tackle. And the Titans lost by less than a yard. That is the first Super Bowl that I can remember watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember phenomenal watching Phenomenal football it. game. Yeah, I remember watching it. And really the only play I remember from the whole thing is that Kevin Dyson play, mm-hmm. the one-yard short play. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, that's close, and then send replay, and I was like, no, he missed that by a half a yard, you yeah. know? Mama and I were jumping up. He scored, he scored, he scored, because she knew I was pulling for the Titans, and we thought he'd scored, and then when they showed the end, the replay, I just remember just folding in the floor like, oh, no, he didn't score. <laughs> R.I.P. Eric McNair. Mm, absolutely. Um, so I got back-to-back picks, so Titans 2000 Super Bowl. Jerome will throw it way back. For this next one. Well, I mean, you can because you're old as the hills. <laughs> what year were you born again? 1992. You were four years old when my next one happened. And I remember this like it was yesterday. My brother and I, uh, shout out to Zach and Patrick Jones, were big wrestling fans growing up. Big wrestling fan. Wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. fans. Not the, not the Olympic style, but that wrestling that would come yeah. on TV. And in 1996, at WrestleMania 12, they hosted the first ever Ironman match. And it was a 60-plus minute match between my younger brother Clark's favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid, and my favorite wrestler when I was growing up, Brett the Hitman Hart. Okay. And it was this just epic match of just, I mean, they were they were coming off the top rope. They were beating each other to a pulp. It was one of the first pay-per-views my parents ever let us buy for a wrestling match like that. We bought some boxing ones later, but that was our first pay-per-view. It was like 50 bucks, and we watched it as a family, and it came down to that match. And I thought, there's no way Bret Hart's losing. There's no way. But the writers had Shawn Michaels becoming that superstar. Every, and, everything's a conspiracy with you, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's <laughs> wrestling, man. It's <laughs> wrestling. But anyway. You can't fake that sweet chin music, my man. Well, the worst part about it, Drew, was he didn't beat him with Sweet Chin Music. He hit him with the Sweet Chin Music, but Bret Hart got back up, and they kept going. And he beat him with his own move. He put him in a sharpshooter, Bret Hart's finishing move, at about the 64-minute mark and won the match and broke my nine-year-old heart. Hey, if if you don't start young, can you ever be good at it, you know? (laughs) That's it, man. And so mine is a little bit off uh, the beaten path. 
But uh, Bret Hart losing the Iron Man match in WrestleMania 12, 1996. I still sting. I still get mad about it, man. Especially watching my younger brother gloat around our living room there. Uh, we used to live off of Central School Road. Had a sunken living room. And he was jumping off that little ledge, running around. I was so mad. Bret Hart <laughs> lost. Well, let's see. So my three picks so far. I've got fourth and 25 Ole Miss versus Arkansas. And I've got the 2003 matchup. Between Ole Miss and LSU, and I've got Zebo being ejected in game for Game Seven of the Western Conference playoffs against Oklahoma City. And so I have covered uh, two football and one basketball, so I'll go baseball here. Uh, and this is probably the most prevailing heartbreak for me in terms of Ole Miss baseball, and that is when we were the number four overall national seed going into the college baseball tournament only to get put out by Tennessee tech. Mm. Uh, we were incredible all year long. We could throw it. We could hit it. I felt genuinely thought that we were the best team, but we had to beat Tennessee tech twice. They were the two seed. They were the best offense in college baseball came analytically. And then everybody was like, well, can they do it against, SEC talent. Well, they did. And what made it worse was that typically when you go, there was a rain out. And so you normally have Saturday and Sunday for a, if necessary game, because they had to beat us twice Mm -hmm. in double elimination. Had to beat us twice. And so Saturday gets rained out. So Sunday, you have to play a double header and they just beat the breaks off of us in the first game of the doubleheader. Mm-hmm. We threw this guy by the name of Sean Johnson, not the Olympic gymnast, but Sean Johnson. <laughs> He's a big, tall guy who threw a lot of slow stuff right down the middle of the plate all year long. And the game got mm-hmm. so out of hand early that you hoped that they could just flush it and get back on the saddle for the second game. But they didn't. And it was a close one and we had a shot. And we lost and got put out on our home field to Tennessee Tech with what I thought was our best team ever that I'd ever seen. Mm. Tennessee Tech went on to play Texas in the Super Regionals and got beat. Yeah. Mm. That's brutal, man. That's brutal. Yeah. And that <laughs> that was just the most recent one. I could go on for days about <laughs> times that we have uh, – in super regionals for college baseball that we've won the first and lost the two. That's happened like yeah. three times, I think. Let's so. just get this Tennessee tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's like Mississippi state losing to Maine. I, I sat into in a regional one time, uh, <laughs> Ole Miss hosted, they were not a national seed this year, uh, but the first two games they played, they played Utah and Tulane and went 0 and two to start the regional and was yeah. the first team eliminated. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. So, yeah, man, um, I, I can relate on that, man. I'm kind of going back and forth. I've got a couple. Uh, let's see. Wait, you got one more, right? You got one more pick. Yes. All right. You so, got one more pick. I'll get to mine in a second. You got one more pick. Yeah. Uh, this one, I'm trying to decide between two. Um, I'm going to go with the one that most people remember. And it's because it caused a controversy, a stink so high that the NFL overcorrected 
and made pass interferences reviewable yeah. on the next season. Yep. And that's when my Saints got beat by the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC playoffs because of a not the most egregious non defensive pass interference call anyone has ever seen ever. Yeah. It was a fourth down call. They were hitting the guy in the flat and the safety just demolished him two seconds before the ball arrived. There's yeah. that famous steal shot as I, as the ball is at the receiver the receiver is on the ground when the res- with the defensive back standing over him celebrating, and there was no call made. Yeah. And as that a, sa- as that Saints team, fan, yeah, Go that ahead, Saints play. team was incredible. Yeah, and as and, a non-Saints fan, I was furious. And as yeah. you know, as growing up a Saints fan, few teams get to cheer for a team that have such cohesiveness for a long period of time. They can stay right. competitive. You know, it's not Brady and Belichick or Manning and um, Dungy, but it's probably the next best yeah. marriage yeah. when it comes to Peyton and Breeze. Yeah. And you could see Breeze getting old, and you knew your window was closing. And for it to come to such a tragic end like that, which was no fault of your own, was so hard because you knew you only had a couple more chances. Mm-hmm. What sucks even more is the next two chances you got was uh, the Minneapolis Miracle, yeah. which just missed my list. Yeah. And the uh, next year against Minnesota again, where they missed the offensive pass interference call uh, in overtime, uh, Kyle Rudolph shoved the linebacker down in the back of the end zone. Yeah. So three years in a row when Breeze is – that last year, or last two years even, he's a shell of himself, and the defense carries him. Uh, but to have every, what seemed every single game taken out of your hands, now, the Minneapolis miracle, that was the defensive back's fault. Yeah. But the rest of them were just misses by officiating. Yeah, that was brutal. I remember watching that and just being like, it's obviously pass interference. And my mom's a Saints fan, and so I was rooting for the Saints in that game because of that. And when they didn't call it, I was I was flabbergasted, for lack of a better flabbergasted. word. Flabbergasted. There is no better word. <laughs> That's it, man. All right, run down your list real quick in totality so our viewers or listeners will know what we got. All right, I've got 4th and 25, Ole Miss and Arkansas. I've got the Doug Buckles stepping on Eli's foot to end the Ole Miss versus LSU game in 2003. I've got Zebo ejected and suspended for Game 7 of the Western Conference playoffs. Ole Miss uh, crapping the bed against Tennessee Tech in the regionals in baseball and the missed DPI call on um, Roby Coleman for the Rams to end our season for the Saints. Hmm. And I've got the 2014 Mississippi State-Alabama game. I've got uh, Steve Bartman in 2003, the Titans 2000 Super Bowl loss to the St. Louis Rams, WrestleMania 12 with Bret Hart losing in a heartbreaker to Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. And I got two, and I'm kind of back and forth between Drew. Should I keep it light or go a little more somber? Hey, man, we're all depressed here. Uh, just do what you want to do. I'll never forget the day I was laying on my stomach uh, in the living room floor watching with my family um, the Daytona 500. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. It was February the 18th, 2001. I'm laying on my stomach. My family is all big Dale Sr. fans. They became Dale Jr. fans because he was part of the family. 
Um, but as soon as it happened, my mom was like, that's not good. That's not, that looked bad. That's not good. But we'd like, oh, you know, he's wrecked like that a thousand times. Just regular wreck. No big deal. But I let the record show that Mama Lee called at the instant it happened. They go around, you know, the race kind of finishes. Everybody's kind of going, you know, doing their thing. And Dale Jr. had his best finish because if you remember, those of you who keep watching, that was 2001, a long time ago. Dale Sr. was blocking so that Dale Jr. Um, could run towards the top. And Michael Walter, one of their teammates, won um, – uh, and Dale Jr. finished second because his dad was blocking for him. And Sterling Marlin hit that rear quarter panel and turned him just enough to where he hit that wall. And uh, this is what caused NASCAR to, to implement the Hans device to help right. hold the head steady. They eliminated the open face helmets. And Dale Sr. died that day and was dead by the time that the, the paramedics got to him there on the track. It happened instantly. He passed away. But... A little bit more somber, not necessarily somebody losing, but the day Dale Senior died, I will ne- that's like 9-11 for me. Like I will never forget where I was at when that happened. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you mentioned 9-11, which is kind of how I always remember the year Dale Earnhardt died because it was the same year as 2001. Um, you're right. I remember where I was at. Uh, we were watching it. I was watching with my dad, who, like your dad and your family, big Dale Senior fans, Um I think everybody in North and, Mississippi was yeah. a senior fan. <laughs> you know, it it was uh it was Sunday. It was for Baptist, you know, Southern Baptist folks like we were. Yeah. Um, it was the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. it you know, it was you get the Super Bowl the week before and you get the Daytona 500 the week after. And yeah. I'll never forget going to church that Sunday night, not knowing because my parents were like, "No, we're going." And so we all, when we got into the churches before smartphones, you can't Google it on your way, keep up with it. Mm-hmm. As soon as we got to church, I remember my dad asking around, anybody heard about Dale? And they were like, yeah, he died. And you know, your mom, you said your mom called it. I remember watching that wreck thinking, that's a wreck. That's your run of the mill yeah. NASCAR wreck. Absolutely. And uh, I was nine. So, I mean, I didn't have just a lot of a long frame of reference watching NASCAR. But I remember thinking like, I mean, I know the hood, popped up and that mm-hmm. was a little strange you didn't see that just a whole lot uh sucks for guys like sterling marlin though because yeah. that's what he's known for you know I mean, he, he got didn't do anything threats. wrong you know yeah. he you know it's like bartman i mean yeah. bartman did what 99 percent of people would do when a foul ball is hit to him you're going to try to catch it you know and yeah. sterling marlin was racing and he was racing hard at five at daytona Absolutely. 500 yeah. where you don't have to hit the brakes you race hard you're going to go three wide it's the last lap of the race and everybody's going for the checkered flag yeah and and if anybody knows the thing is, is you could have asked dale who yeah. has spun out dozens of people yeah. on the last lap of a race he would have said yeah i would have done the same thing yeah. you know it yeah, just, that's a, it, the, the end can't you can't let the end and how the how it resulted uh this you know dissuade the logic you know yeah mess up what you would think and in the moment like the logic makes yeah. sense it just sucks it ended how it did right i mean it is what it is rubbins racing dale would say that himself and would not blame sterling marlin one bit and i hate that he received the death threats that he did because he killed an icon and it was unfortunate necessarily didn't kill him the wreck did right um you just feel for him, feel for a guy like that because he he was a Sterling Marlin was a great racer. Uh, 
you know, a, a couple years later, or, yeah, a couple years later, he got he had another shot to win the Daytona 500, and on a red flag, he got out of his car and he tries to lift his hood to create more aerodynamics across the hood because it was dented and they moved. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on a red flag, and so he got moved to the back. So just a string of bad luck for him, but I'll never forget where I was at when Dale Senior died. Yeah, uh, just off my list, uh, I wanted to go more mainstream. In 2013, Ole Miss lost to LaSalle in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. That was Marshall Henderson year. Yep. Um, that was the year Wichita State knocked off the one seed Gonzaga in our bracket, and the three seed uh, New Mexico got beat by Harvard, the yep. thir- the 15 seed or yep. 14 seed. And so you had your path there to uh, your first ever first Sweet 16 in uh, that decade, probably, and your first. Uh, you know, going legit past the Sweet 16 ever, you know, legit chance. Yeah. And mine's kind of a similar, uh, it was a, it was a perfect storm in 2013, at the college world series, LSU came in as a juggernaut. They only lost nine games that whole year. Um, UCLA came out of that side of the bracket. They were 43 and 17. We were 48 and 16 coming into that game. Like we were the better team and they just absolutely molly us in two games. I think it was like like 13 to three and then eight to nothing. We just got yeah. skull drugged by this UCLA team that all of a sudden were the New York friggin' Yankees. And well, that was our first chance at a college world series title. And since 1985 and just got destroyed. Who were those pitchers? I know one was Trevor Bauer. There was another one that was like a, a Cy Young winner, right? Yeah. I got it pulled up right here. Yeah, it was. And that's part of it. I mean, they were just incredible. When you got to win two games, if you've got two dudes that can throw the ball like that, it's over, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's what it was, man. They just absolutely crushed us, uh, three to one, eight to nothing. But it was just they were never that close. Um, just absolutely killed us. Had a chance to win a college world series that year because I mean we beat uh, Oregon State, Indiana, some good teams. Then after that, beat Oregon State again, the number three team in the country. It felt like this was our year, team of destiny. And then the UCLA decided they were going to be otherworldly and just destroy us. So yeah, that's our list, man. Uh, yeah. I uh I like our list. Uh like I said, we don't we only competed for one and I win. So uh we'll post those up and I know that this may not be a poll that everybody can vote for because obviously everybody's uh if you're a Mississippi State fan, you're probably gonna go with Rusty's list. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're gonna go with my list, you know. Yeah. Uh heartbreak is totally personal and it's totally yeah. dependent on what team you cheer for. That's it. And so uh we've all got it and we all try to just get through the other side and cling on to the yep. wins when you can get them. Yeah, that's it, man. So we spent a little time on that, but it was good kind of commiserating over our misery there. Uh, speaking of, man, let's you want to touch on Ja for a little bit before we get into some college basketball news? Yeah, I'll touch on Ja. Uh, last week I told you, I said, a lot of this stuff is allegations, and it's brought on by uh, poor decisions made and uh, the company you keep. That all changed on Friday night, early Saturday morning, when Ja goes live on his Instagram and he's partying in a club, you know, I don't prefer you to do that, but, you know, that happens. Uh, what doesn't happen and what really messed up is that uh, amongst, while partying and videoing himself on Instagram, he pulls out a handgun and rubs it against his face, and then there's no, as a fan and somebody who loves Ja, my kids love Ja, genuinely, when we watch Grizzlies game, that's the only guy they watch. They love Jaw. They have Jaw jerseys. Um, I live and breathe with Jaw Morant and the Grizzlies. To wake up on Saturday morning to that notification 
was just the worst. Yeah. And unfortunately, what it did is for me, who defended Ja and said he needs to clean up his circle, but he is and he needs to cool down, but he hasn't really stepped over that line yet. He's erased it. He's lost all benefit of the doubt. He has the graces gone. The he's getting his beating and he's taking lashes this week and deservedly so. You know, he yeah. is he is it's resulted in him being either voluntarily stepping away or being voluntold to step away. Probably a little a combination bit. there. Um, you know, as I always go back to uh Marshawn Lynch, the great philosopher of our generation. You know, when you are conducting yourself and trying to decide what you're gonna do, the two most important things he says is protect your money or project uh protect your mentals and protect your chicken. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and so Ja is trying to get his mentals right. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who is just ascending and Rusty, the the tale of it is as old as time. You know, yeah. you you see these guys who Ja didn't come from nothing. He wasn't he, you know, it's not one of those stories where he was raised by the streets and he's overcoming that. But it is the story of a of a young kid who doesn't come from a lot, who is a superstar overnight, who has $200 million coming to him seemingly overnight. I mean, when you look at your lifespan, if you're talking about in three or four or five years, you go from nothing to not being recruited to $200 million. Can you imagine the amount of people who are trying to benefit off of you? He said that he needs to – he he does this and he acts out to deal with stress. And some people have kind of said, Oh, what do you got to be stressed about? You play basketball for a living. No, I, yeah. I, I'm very much against that. That dude, you can see he's got his boys with him. And those guys are, he's trying to take care of his, his folks. He's trying to take care of his boys. He's trying to live up to the hype that people are on him. Yeah. He is dealing with this the exact wrong way though. And, I hate it for him because honestly, I watched this guy growing up. I mean, I feel like when you're drafted as a 19 year old kid mm-hmm. and you've been with the same organization for this is your fourth year, I feel like you can watch him grow up. And when he came into the league, man, he was timid and shy, and you could tell he come from a good family and he meant business and he worked hard. To see what's happened over the last year with these kind of spiraled like he can't handle it. It's really discouraging, and yeah. for Ja, you know, he's going to he's missed two games uh, before the podcast that came out that he's going to miss at least four more. Yeah, um, it's not going to go well for the team, but that's secondary when it comes to your superstar getting right because yeah. it doesn't matter how how long this takes for Ja, this gr- the Grizzlies and his team will not be right until he is right. Right. And I think, Drew, the thing, a couple comments. Um, I mean, you nailed it, man. You absolutely nailed it. Great job. The two things that I have, I'm as big of a proponent of the Second Amendment as they come, but you got to read the room and you got to understand your situation. You're under a microscope because you're already under investigation for a couple gun related incidents and you got to read the room and be smarter than that. Yeah. And even if you're, that's the thing that bothered me. And then I'll, I'll get to your, I'm sorry for cutting you off. That's the thing that bothered me is these were accusations that everybody believed to be either rumor mm-hmm. or speculation or associated with one of his traveling party. Right. 
now you go back and look at that and maybe it's right. That's the thing. You have to reanalyze everything that you thought so far when you're defending him. He yeah. put a lot of egg on a lot of faces. Yeah, because we went to bat for him on this podcast. We went to bat for him and said that there's probably, you know, some truth to it. But at the same time, like he's our boy, we're going to defend him. And I think the thing that bothered me the most was Steven Adams stepping up and being the veteran leader that he is. Drew, I know you saw this. He had a they had a closed door meeting with the team. And Steve-O is our veteran leader. You know, again, he's one of us now. He's no longer the uh, the goon of the other team. He's one of us. And allegedly Steven hosted a meeting with the team and said, look, guys, I don't care what you do, but you got to stop going out so late. We got to behave on the road. We got to be able to keep our composure on the road. And this is the time to make a change. And that night after the closed door meeting where Steve-O stepped up that night, Ja was filming himself with a freaking gun, man. Like, it's like it didn't even stick. Like, that was the same night. Just closed door meeting. Steve-O said, we got to behave and we can't be staying out all night at the club. You've got to get your stuff together. And that's the night that Ja chooses to go Instagram live with his gun. Again, I'm all for the Second Amendment carrying a gun, but like, come on, dude. You're under investigation. Your veteran teammate just said, hey, let's get our act together. We've got we, – the season is progressing. We've got to get our stuff together if we're going to be a playoff team. And he pulls that stunt that same night. That's what frustrated me the most. You're right. And that that, that came out uh, after the fact was very discouraging for me as well yeah. because yeah. that's the guy that you do look up. That's the old head, the only old head you have in the right. locker room. The only He's guy that's 30, done which is crazy. Right. The oldest guy on the team is younger than me. You know, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but it just – you're it right. Just took it took the did, wind out it, of my sails, man. It, it really did. Because it's not that you don't, not that you don't know the consequences. It's that it shows that you don't care. That's it. That's the biggest thing. Is it felt like somebody was trying to intervene in Jaws' life and say, "Look, get your stuff together. Let's get our things together. Let's go win actual some meaningful basketball games." And Ja heard that. It was one ear and out the other. And that very night, he goes and acts a clown on IG. And I'm done talking about it. The Grizz are on a, in the midst of a terrible funk because of everything's going on. We lost Ja. Dylan, uh, Dylan was suspended for a game where D Brandon Clark is done for the year. Big Canada is done. I'm done talking about the Grizz because they make me sad. But yeah, we're I'm, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. And if this isn't a wake-up call, then I don't know that there will be one. I don't think there ever will be. I mean, you're losing your money. You're losing your opportunity to play meaningful basketball, and this is it. So. And I have faith in that, and I do believe that I believe in the family system that he has and the culture mm -hmm. that the Grizzlies have. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that the Grizzlies are keeping quiet on it. I know I've seen right. some people like, why are you not announcing that he is suspended? They well, shouldn't. You know, why throw him to the wolves? I mean, a suspension is a suspension. Yeah. But when you go out and you, for lack of a better term, you, you put him out there yeah. and make him atone publicly for everything there you don't add any more punishment to it you don't add any you know level of grace to it you don't allow the guy to to feel like he's got any body in his corner the the grizzlies are doing the right thing by staying in his corner publicly mm -hmm. yeah absolutely now privately i'm sure there are hard conversations had and and that culture allows the, a lot of grace for me they've always right. done that they've never yeah. been they're never going to throw anybody under the bus, especially Ja. Yeah. And so the fact that they are 
letting Josh step away at his own pace, you know, and I'm sure they're allowing him to go seek help and, and whatever you need, take as much time, but please take some time. You know, mm-hmm. you do need to take some time, uh, but we're not calling it a suspension. Yeah, so that like you it. know that we are in your corner. It feels good. It feels like they're supporting one of their own. Cause just like anything you've, we've all had family members. Drew, you've had family members. I've been that family member where I've screwed up and I've had people come alongside me and help me through some tough times that like, that feels good. Even though you, you know you're in the wrong, it feels good to have somebody in your corner. And when you mess up publicly, which we've all done, and for both of us, the other one has at one point come to the other one and said, dude, you screwed up. Yeah. You need to know you screwed up. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm still here. And I love we're still you. We're going to be friends. <laughs> and honestly, just to get personal for a minute, it's the reason why we are such close friends today because I know that we've got that bond yeah. that I don't have with every one of my friends that I know right. that. I can tell you exactly what you need to mm-hmm. straighten up on yeah. and you can do the same to me yeah. and there's no hard feelings. And regardless of what we yeah. said to each other, we'll be there through it and on the other side yeah. as well. Yeah. I, you know, not getting into a lot of details, but you wrote me a letter way back in the day that really hit home. And I think we had a beer like that next night and it was just like, you know, I needed that, man. I needed that. And that was uh, that was a big pivotal moment in my life. And I hope Ja has somebody writing him a letter, giving him a lecture, something full of hard truth, but love at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I said some things in that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, in front of my mama. <laughs> that I needed to hear, man. It was it was good, man. It was in a time that I needed it for sure. So, yeah, I hope Ja's got somebody like that in his corner and 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 all that. But let's talk about some good things. Uh, let's well, talk hold about, on. Oh, OK. okay. Before we do. I need I need Uncle Buck to come clean on something. I need Uncle Buck to see where he stands today on Wednesday, March the 8th, to that, the year of our Lord, 2023. Not even a week ago, because we recorded last Thursday night, Uncle Buck said on this podcast that if the Ole Miss Rebels hired Chris Beard, it would be a good basketball hire, but it would feel icky. Uncle Buck sent me a text message today with some rumblings out of Oxford, and I'm curious if this hire is made – do you still feel icky about it? Yes, absolutely. I didn't know it, if your it, position had changed. Uh, no, I mean, I, I will not go buy a shirt that says beard crew or whatever, you know, like, you know, they, every, every, it seems like every college basketball. I was a Rick Rowdy football. when I was at Mississippi State or Rick's Rowdy. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, I bought a shirt when Houston Nut got hired that said, welcome to the Nut House, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, Freeze had ones that freeze warning, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. However, so it is the best basketball hire you can make. Can can I say that without bringing in the rest of it? Because I know Chris Beard, the person, has things, has baggage uh, and recent baggage. You know, this right. isn't like you're going and hiring Patino, who is yeah. his baggage is from eight years ago. That you can say, We're oh, I've a year removed. Right. And. You're not even a basketball season removed. No. <laughs> and so, yes, of course, I feel icky about it. Uh, however, I have become more of a fan of the hire as it goes because. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, listen, if if I wasn't, I'm not going, I do cheer for laundry, but I don't necessarily cheer for coaches. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, no, absolutely. I wanted Hugh Freeze fired before Hugh Freeze got fired, you know? Mm-hmm. For messing with prostitutes. He had tanked that whole roster before 
He mm-hmm. the biggest sham of that to go on a brief tangent of Hugh Freeze getting fired. The biggest sham was he didn't have to coach that team that sucked. Yeah. He got he got ousted. You know, yeah. he more or less got to land on his feet. You know, as as well as one can in that situation. With Beard, it's a different thing. Hugh Freeze was loving women. Chris Beard was hitting them. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and that's not funny. That's not funny. the The parallel is funny, I guess. But but no, it's never funny when you lay your hands on your girlfriend or wife. Never, never, never. It's not a good thing. He deserved to lose his job. However, when you're talking about basketball, when you're talking Talking about big business. That's what this is. Winning is business. Ole Miss built a state-of-the-art basketball gym not five years ago. Agreed. The tab pad is incredible. It is absolutely state-of-the-art. It was Beautiful. the most perfectly built building that Ole Miss has ever done. The ball is a horrendous basketball team. <laughs> right. Everything that Ole Miss has built, you can see it's got its flaws. Vaughn Hemingway has lots of flaws. I wish that they would bulldoze that and start over. The way that they built an intimate environment, they didn't make they didn't make it to fill twelve thousand people. They made it small and intimate and nice. I mean, they built the perfect gym and they've invested so much money in it. And there's only one way that you can get the experience out of it, and it's winning. Mm-hmm. And we can play the morality card, and I've seen it a lot, and it's honestly bothered me when people try to um, poke. You know, it's like, of course, Ole Miss was the one to hire Chris Beard. Ole Miss, they're just a bunch of trash. Like that's Ole Mississippi State Twitter. To be fair, that was it. It was Ole Miss gives no, you know what's about their public image because they they from Lane Kiffin to now this, like it's a big hire. But anyway, Lane Kiffin never did anything wrong either. I mean, he got he was the playboy. You know, I mean, but let's quit acting like college sports is church. Now you don't want to knowingly hire people who just religiously beat their wives. Mm-hmm. But you also can't say you can't say that Ole Miss is trash while cheering for your own SEC team. Like if you Ole Miss their biggest rival is Mississippi State. So if Mississippi State fans want to come in here and say Ole Miss is trash because they hired or, or are looking to hire Chris Beard, Mississippi State's golden child outside of Dak Prescott right now is one big Jeff Simmons who mm-hmm. just blatantly mauled a middle-aged woman in a parking lot. Allegedly. I saw the video. That was Allegedly. It was, there was nothing alleged about that. Allegedly. A week after signing day, Big Jeff Simmons and a wife beater in some red shorts took a grown woman by her hair and repeatedly punched her on the, while she was on the ground. So, and, <laughs> and, you know, Chris Jans was fired from Bowling Green State University for yeah. drunkenly... Uh, yeah. you know, groping or fondling yeah. or a woman at an Applebee's. Like, I mean, come on, let's be consistent here. Is it about winning or is it about looking good? And whereas, you know, it sucks, and that's the nasty part about it. It's the reason why I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good that you possibly could hire a coach that has that in his past. Mm-hmm. However, if if you're going to say this is about basketball. This is about the best coach, no doubt a top five coach in basketball, in college basketball. Then just let it be about that. Now, 
you've got to do your due diligence. You've got to meet with him. You've got to meet with his girlfriend and you've got to get insurances and it'll be spelled out in the contract. I guarantee you. Much you like have, Hugh Freeze has to be off to, social media, there'll be some kind of stipulations. Right. And if you're looking at that, I mean, Hugh Freeze gets his social media taken away from him because it gets him in a bind. Uh, Bruce Pearl is, you know, Auburn hires Bruce Pearl when he's got a show cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons serves a one-game suspension. I mean, if you're going to say that Chris Beard is has not served his punishment, Let's be real here. He got fired from Texas. His job is going to be at Ole Miss. And he has lost a considerable amount of money. He has had a public black eye. The Austin Police Department chose not to press charges. So he's out of legal damage. But he has lost a lot of skin. Mm-hmm. you know. And so Ole Miss, I still, given all that, it is icky. But just don't come at me with the whole morality play. My turn? Yeah, go ahead. I think it is absolutely the right hire. If Chris Jans had taken the job at Wichita State, you know, that they kicked around, I hope that was our first phone call. I would feel feel icky about it. I would not be – man, this kind of sucks because this is going to be a black eye on our program, but – you can't be Tennessee. Remember, Tennessee was going to hire all these football coaches, and they let their fan base come out, and they run out. And again, Greg yeah, Schiano has a trouble pass and didn't let that hire happen because Tennessee fans are kind of the worst. But anyway, um, yes, I would feel icky about it, but I would hope that Mississippi State would at least kick those tires and see if he's interested in coming to Starfall because it's not very often that you're going to be able to pick up a, a – you're absolutely right, a top five or six NCAA basketball coach – on the rebound, he's on the he's reeling. He's obviously screwed up. He's been crucified in the public's eye, and this is the opportunity for him to come back and really make a statement that, hey, I'm not that guy who got into a physical altercation with my wife. I'm a good dude and a good basketball coach, and he has and an I opportunity to redeem mistake. your program. I made a mistake, but I can redeem your program. You absolutely make that phone call, and you absolutely make that hire. And we're not talking Ole Miss because I'll make an I'm, I'm we're not talking about Ole Miss football because I'll make an argument that Ole Miss football is a hundred times better job than Ole Miss basketball. I don't think that's any debate. You know, yeah. Ole Miss football is a top 20 job. I mean, no. just by being SEC West alone. Mm, okay. okay. Well, that's another topic. We'll, we'll agree to we'll, disagree. We'll fight you. on that one. Um, <laughs> and Ole Miss basketball is a bad job. Yeah. Chris Beard taking this job is a way step down. But as an Ole Miss fan, I've told you when we started this podcast, I don't watch Ole Miss basketball. And it's not because I don't like Ole Miss basketball. It's because Ole Miss basketball is miserable to watch. Yeah, It is disgusting. It's a, the most left-footed, disjointed display of athleticism you've ever seen in your life. And if you want to build a program, you have got to start with a coach. That's how it is in college basketball. Because you've got to have somebody – who at Ole Miss, you're not, at least not at the at the jump. Maybe a new coach changes it in a couple of years. Maybe Chris Beard, who's an elite coach, changes it in a couple of years. But from the jump, it is all X's and O's, and it's all who you can get out of the portal. And you need to have somebody that has connections and that can coach them. They can put the team together that can function as a unit. Kermit never could do that, even though, you know, Buzz Williams said he was the best X's and O's coach in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Chris Beard can do both. 
Yeah, absolutely. So he can recruit. He can coach. If you want to get out of the cellar you're in, you make <laughs> the hire and you hold your nose while you're doing it. If you want to keep your image clean and hope that maybe in the future you can put together a winning team, then you go hire a mid-major, roll the dice, and see what happens. But that's what it would be. It would be. I think it's absolutely right hire. I think it's the right move. You at least make him tell you no. You try it out. It's an opportunity for him to revamp his career. You know he's not going to be there long term. If he comes in, he turns Ole Miss around. You get an Elite Eight or Sweet 16 or maybe even deeper run out of it. You never know what it can turn into. He's going to bounce for a bigger job. But at the like you've always said, like with Lane Kiffin at the end of last football season, if he's leaving for a better job, it's because you're happy with the results. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, Ole Miss football – Auburn, I don't believe, is a better job than Ole Miss for Lane Kiffin to go. I think it's a lateral move. But if if Chris Beard parlays this Ole Miss job into, I don't know, Florida State when uh, Homeboy finally gives it up, yeah. I can't remember his name. He's the most. He's the best looking seventy three year old yeah. man you'll ever see in your, in your yeah. life. But yeah. uh if he finally gives up and you parlay that into Florida State, I mean my goodness, what yeah. That means Ole Miss is good. And then yeah. when you when Ole Miss is good, you can recruit a better coach. That's it, man. So, yeah, that's all the college basketball, except for I do think we need to mention Jim Boheim announced today that he's not coming back next year after 47 years at Syracuse. His time is up. Scumbag. Uh, Yeah. I I think, Drew, honestly, I think NIL is going to do away with these coaches that stay at places for 30, 40 years. I still think you can be competitive for that long. Now you've got, like, the playing field is much more even. I think the days of these long-tenured coaches is over, and Jim Boheim is the latest uh, person stepping out for sure. Right. So. And I mean, he is like 95 years old. He goes out the year after Mike Krzyzewski goes out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you're right. I mean, I guess good for him. Yeah. He but was always kind of a scumbag. In my he opinion. was, but it's a college basketball legend. I mean, the guy won, you know, he, he couldn't win the big one, but he was always an elite eight team every year. Um, so yeah, but moving on since we are a college baseball podcast, let's talk about college baseball, man. How you feeling about your Ole Miss Rebs? Uh, I tell you what, we've talked about a lot of heavy subjects lately. It's nice to talk about a, uh, a team that's good. You see, uh, last night Ole Miss beat Southern Miss and it made me think about the time when we beat them, uh, just not even 10 months ago in Hattiesburg, Mississippi to go to the college world series. Uh, unlike that college, that super regional, uh, Southern Miss scored five more runs last night than they scored in the whole Super Regional together. Right. By, uh, they scored five runs last night. And so Ole Miss beat them handily. It was nice to see that one of the schools in Mississippi did not struggle with the mustard buzzards. We, um, we struggled early, but finished strong. <laughs> uh, so Ole Southern's Miss... A good, uh, Southern's a good baseball team. That's a good win for Ole Miss last night. That Southern's going to be a good baseball team this year. They've got deep pitching. That's a good win, man. It's always tricky on a midweek, too, because you're never getting the ace. You know, right. you're never getting the best. Oh, like, they're Friday best. night guys, the stud. Yeah. And um, Ole Miss won all three games this weekend in Minnesota in the worst, <laughs> uh, the most miserable viewing experience I've ever had in my life. In I don't know if you, 22 I, fans. Yeah, I gave uh, I gave you my login. I don't know if you watched any of it on the Big Ten Plus. Uh, you had to listen to the god-awful announcers because the cameraman could never find the ball. Uh, <laughs> That's awful. First first pitch of the whole weekend, Jacob Gonzalez rips a double, 
and they just leave the camera on Jacob Gonzalez as he's rounding the bases, and I have to listen to the announcers <laughs> to see where it is. And at one point they said, uh, and that should be an error, but we can't confirm or not because this stadium does not have instant replay. <laughs> what a disaster. Yeah. So that well, was our weekend. Uh, like I said, the biggest win of the week. I mean, we beat Maryland again. Uh, we uh, we lost the first game in the weekend series last year, last weekend, and then we beat them the remaining two games of the series and then beat them again Friday night in Minnesota. Then you got wins, uh, convincing wins against Minnesota and Nebraska. And, uh, I mean, the competition wasn't great. Maryland was you know, the best team in Minnesota that we played. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska's Minnesota, streak, man, Nebraska's a decent little team this year. Yeah, Nebraska beat Vandy that weekend, um, mm-hmm. uh, Friday night, I believe, uh, Minnesota, when we beat them, fell to zero and 10, which was pretty bad. Yeah. And what's even worse for Minnesota is they play in that stadium every home game. God bless them. <laughs> it's just, just disgusting. God bless them. Uh, then, then a big, uh, I got to be in attendance. Last night, his Ole Miss beat Southern Miss, hits three home runs in the game, wins 11-5. to five. Uh, The kids, 12 and under, got in free. So along with uh, mine and Haley's two-season tickets that we own, we were able to take the rest of the children, and we all nice. had a big time. Nice, man. Good for you. Well, your Mississippi State Bulldogs are sitting at eight and five. Had a rough weekend. I'll say this, man: for as bad as your your viewing experience was with the Big Ten Network, I was a fan of the D1 baseball programming. Oh yeah, uh, the Mississippi State and Ole Miss games were never running concurrently, from what mm-hmm. I could tell. So mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, I was in the office all weekend working storms, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I shared had, my login with you. And it worked. Yeah, and I it worked, and so I always had the game both games on and mm-hmm. i could run them basically back to back yeah d1 baseball did an incredible job incredible job the the color commentators they knew what they were talking about they were very sharp great commentary the play-by-play was great the camera angles were good it was replay. just really really well done replay I never, I never thought anything would be worse than flow baseball when we played <laughs> in that shriners classic in houston a few years ago it was awful and i had to pay like thirty dollars for it uh i paid fifteen dollars for uh for the big 10 plus and those folks in minnesota they they at one point the last out of the final game i believe it was the final game no it was the minnesota game because that actually ended up being the closest game the final out they the camera that's always in center field you know that looks Mm -hmm. over the pitcher into the into home plate area Mm -hmm. uh the pitcher throw pitches the ball and the guy rip the pitcher's Ole Miss pitcher. Uh, it's the bottom of the ninth. The Ole Miss pitcher throws it, and the hitter rips one right up the middle, goes off the pitcher's hip, and the pitcher then goes out of frame, and you hear game over. The camera never moved. It's like they just left it and had to go pee or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they went to the beer tent, had to go pee something. Yeah. Just left the camera there, and then I'm just like, well, I hope the pitcher's not injured. <laughs> uh, I don't know who made the play to first. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it was yeah. bad, bad. Yeah, but that was not the case with D1 out in Frisco. But uh, baseball was not that great. Lost to Ohio State on Friday night, lost to Oklahoma on Saturday. Two decent teams, but we were in the Ohio State game, not really ever in the Oklahoma game. We would, we would score two, they'd score four. We'd score three, they'd score five. And it was just, I mean, they, Oklahoma's a, a good team again. They were in the finals last year. Beat a decent Cal team on Sunday. Really Real quick, Rusty. Uh, what did you think about that Oklahoma team? They're different. They're, yeah. They, it got they're this one, very old school. 
Very old school. They bunted a ton because they know we're struggling a little bit. They got this kid named Carmichael that just absolutely laced the baseball. Every time he came up, I shuddered because he had an RBI just about every friggin' time he came up. Um, We played them last year when we beat them in the College World Series to win the national championship Mm -hmm. game. Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they small balled us to death. That's, that's what I was about it, to say. They're very old school. They don't hit like they hit a couple home runs, but they're like they get a guy on, they're gonna bunt, they're gonna hit and run, they're gonna double steal. Like they play baseball like like baseball's supposed to be played. It was fun to watch, even though they beat I us. Did, um, I disagree with that, but because uh, as an Ole Miss fan, you were sitting there looking at our lineup, and it was like if they're gonna work that hard for one run, we're just gonna beat the brakes off of them. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like yeah. you, they could never. They they were never letting themselves be able to string anything together because a one out single, they're going to bunt. You know. Yeah. Well, they they were very active on the base pass, the base pass, they base did. pass. They ran the bases really well, and they beat us fifteen to nine. Um, got a good win over Cal on Sunday. Hit the ball really well. Bryce Chance is going to be our offense this year. He's a freshman. He's a, now our starting left fielder and Dakota Jordan is good. He's really raw. He needs to be the DH, but Bryce chance needs to play in our lineup until he plays his way out. He is currently sitting um, at three ninety five. the guy who hit that tank last night. No, that was, uh, uh, Hunter Hines. Who's had yeah. a tough, tough year, but if you know anything about the baseball state, his position were seeing the Sanderson centers in right field. And I swear he hit the Sanderson center. That ball only traveled 443 feet, but it was a moonshot, like right. bomb against Valpo, the fight in Bryce Drews. But um, Hunter Hines got a big hit last night. Amani Larry continues to do Amani Larry things. Guy's a stud. Colton Ledbetter's top 10 in RBIs this year. Um, Nate Dome has now pitched 12 innings this year um, and has 12 strikeouts and has not given up a run. The Ball State transfer is going to step into that closing role really, really nice. Bradley Lofton looked good last night as a freshman pitcher. He had 11 Ks in six innings, which is the, sadly, where here we are in game 11. It's the longest outing yeah. by a Mississippi State starter all year. He went six innings. It would have been the longest for Ole Miss as well. Yeah. Struck out at 11 over the course of those six innings. Just was spinning it, man. Like, I was on a little Twitter exchange last night. I know you're going to unfollow me because of all my Mississippi State baseball tweets, but uh, JT Ginn uh, vibes coming off the mound, strutting after a strikeout. Guy's got a lot of confidence and got some good stuff. He can absolutely spin it. It's um, funny you say JT Ginn because you know what Ole Miss's starting pitcher's name is that started last night? Mm-mm. JT Quinn. How about that? It has thrown me off all year. And I'm like, man, I hope he don't turn out to be JT Ginn because he was a bust. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he got hurt. But anyway, good win against Valpo last night. Finally took advantage of the run rule and uh, won 12-2 last night. Got Lipscomb this weekend as a little bit of a tune-up. Then we go to Biloxi to play Nichols in Louisiana. Uh, The Raging Cajuns, two Louisiana teams before conference play starts on the 17th at Kentucky. I think I've said all along our season is going to live and die by pitching. We're going to score a ton of runs, like, but we might get out. We're going to need them because we might. It might be 18, 15 every game. But our freshman Gerangelo had a phenomenal outing um, Friday night against Ohio State. He played really well as our bullpen that let us down. We were in that game as long as Gerangelo was pitching. Um, our our season is going to be carried by our young pitchers which is going to be scary for the SEC in a couple of years. But, um, yeah, a couple right. tuna games for conference play. And I, I like what I'm seeing. I'm seeing signs of offense. Ross Highfall needs to be our everyday catcher. Bryce Chance needs to be our everyday left fielder. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
uh, Ole Miss goes back home, stays at home rather, this weekend to play another Big Ten team at home with Purdue. Uh, it's really nice to be able to play Power 5 teams in a non-conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said this before. I love the fact that we're playing these Power 5 teams, even though they may not be world beaters by any means, but they're not Nickel State. and They're not – we've mm-hmm. played um, Charleston Southern. We've played everybody that doesn't matter, that you don't care about right. in the past on these weekend series that you just really want to sell your tickets to. Yeah. Um, playing Purdue – is a lot of fun and i'm yeah. excited for it this weekend yeah it's better than lipskin who we've got this weekend just some two nights before conference play begins and opportunity to watch some, some younger guys get some get some pitches get some at bats and see what you got that you're going to need as the season progresses because there's clearly going to be a lot of deep run the sec is deep this year a lot of really good teams alabama's 12 and 0 south carolina's playing good baseball we'll see what happens in conference play but the sec is deep for sure yeah, and uh, don't look now, but the team that you finished to pick last in the in the SEC West, no, that's what I'm saying, is undefeated. They're one of the two remaining undefeated teams, and they have played nobody. Nobody. It's just been garbage. Oh, did you see how Tennessee lost last oh night? My gosh, yes. So <laughs> Tennessee is playing Boston College, another mm-hmm. Power Five team from the ACC. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, you should beat the brakes off of them. Uh, Boston College is is up by one in the. I guess this is the bottom of the ninth. Mm-hmm. Tennessee has a runner on third with no outs. Mm-hmm. Boston College brings in a fifth infielder from the brings an outfielder in to play a fifth infielder and gets uh and like do the math here. You got two outfielders, so they get a pop out uh or a ground out. Ground out and a, a pop ground out. out to get the first out, and then a pop out to shallow center field, which would have been a single if they don't bring those outfielders in the guy catches it throws a horrible throw to home but is cut by the third baseman and relayed home for the final out and the celebration right there (laughs) on tennessee's field was what dreams are made of my man couldn't happen to a better program straight up church league softball vibes with that that rover there (laughs) yeah it's incredible (laughs) i remember when i was playing little league one year we had uh when you play Park League, you're playing in like July in Mississippi, and I mean it is just a microwave out there. Yeah. And we showed up in the championship game with seven people, so we had mm-hmm. one guy playing the outfield, generally. And the, don't take this the wrong way. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The only black guy in the league, his name is Deontay Curley. I saw him the other day. We still know each other, still recognize each other. Had a nice conversation. Boy was fast, yeah. and uh, he played center field and ranged from corner to corner now that we're talking fifth graders here mm-hmm. and uh and we had the best pitcher in the league so it kind of made it a little easier i caught okay and so uh, about the last inning i stumble behind home plate because i it is just that hot and i full on just sucking wind at that point just pouring sweat and my mm-hmm. coach said no you ain't catching no more <laughs> and so he brought uh we ended up bringing an infielder in to catch. So we're down one infielder. He put me out right field with the bag eyes, and he said, don't you get up unless the ball's hit to you, and then you just throw it to the closest guy. 
And he said, and he said throw it to Deontay. He'll get it in. <laughs> and we won. And it's never hit to me. And, uh, yeah, the hottest I've ever been. And uh, the only time I've ever been seen a two-man outfield before. <laughs> yeah, except for last night. Um, you know, a couple of other games of note. Florida struggled over the weekend, lost to Miami. It was a good team, but not the Miami of old. And Florida should not be losing that game. Florida yeah, but <clears throat> you got midweek games, like I said, against Southern Miss. It's sure. like you're dependent on your, at best, your fourth best starter, which isn't necessarily your fourth best pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida Gulf Coast went to Florida State, took two out of three. They're 12 and one. There's a, a decent little baseball They're team. They're good. The same one that uh, that Florida Gulf Dunk Coast was that was that uh Dunk City right and, uh, was that the Elite Eight? Uh yeah, it was the Elite Eight. Yeah. I think they got to the Elite Eight, Lob City, Dunk City. Um, they got a good baseball team. There's some there's some small teams that are going to be pretty good this year. There's been a lot of shakeup already at the top 25. You know, Vandy's fallen, Stanford has risen, Tennessee for some reason has not fallen. Um, they're still top 10, even though they're struggling at the beginning they're of the still, season, but they're still number three with Ole Miss number four. And my dad is just livid over the fact I mean, that they haven't dropped down a spot, but you know, there's been nothing. I mean, you lose games. It, it's a concentration thing. It's a monotonous right. thing when you're getting in playing those no name teams and it's baseball. I mean, yeah. the added, the, the cliche is a cliche for a reason. Weird mm. things happen in baseball. Yeah. And because Tennessee loses a game to Boston College, or they lose one to um, whoever, my, uh, whoever who did they play last that weekend. That was small school, yeah. Yeah, uh, because if you lose one of those, if you win the series, you shouldn't be docked. No, I agree, but um, another little small school to watch is the Campbell Camels. They're right up the road from me up, up in North Carolina, Campbell, North Carolina. They're playing really good baseball. But did you see what Coastal did to – well, first of all, over the weekend, they won a game 26-5. to Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers – they beat Wake Forest last night, who has been a real trendy pick to win the national championship this year. Uh, they're currently the fifth-ranked team. They were 13-0. CCU hit four home runs last night, and they, I think they won like 13-5 to or something just like oh, uh, Wake Forest got some some Wake some Forest. runs late. Wake Forest got some runs late, but CCU absolutely dominated them. And, and Coastal is going to be – Another team that's going to be uh, going to be pretty good this year. They play in a smaller conference, but they won a title in 2016. Beat the brakes off of Wake Forest last night in, a, in dominant fashion. Yeah, um, yeah. That's all I have for college baseball. Uh, I do keep track with it. I know that uh, um, Arkansas was in a war last night, mm-hmm. um, and so we're getting to the good part. You yeah. know, like like we've talked about with the NFL season, you know, yeah. you lead up and you get to the good part and that's the Super Bowl and then it drops off with yeah. baseball, especially when you're a fan of a team that's in the SEC West and they're mm-hmm. a good team from the yeah. SEC West. We're getting to that. Mm-hmm. It's Conference what you play starts for. in two I weeks, mean, man. It's like a birthday present to me. We start Friday night. My birthday Saturday. Conference play starts Friday night, baby. <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss starts at Vanderbilt uh, the weekend after our spring break. And my wife is going and taking the kids to visit her sister mm-hmm. and through the week. And my dad was like, are they going to be going the weekend? Because if they're going the weekend, you want to go to Nashville? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, that's actually the day they're coming back will be ah. the day we need to go to Nashville. So I yeah. can't make it. But yeah. I said, you you know what I would do if we if we go to a game in Nashville? Is I will plant drug fel- paraphernalia on the Vandy Whistler and call the cops. <laughs> I heard one of them died. Did you hear that? 
Yeah, it was a hoax. It got everybody's hopes up. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, that's kind of all I got for college baseball this year. Again, if you're not a college baseball fan and you're still listening to our podcast at this point, thank you. Second of all, pay attention because it's finna get good. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're in the doldrums. If you don't love baseball, then what are you watching right now? I mean, because I know the NBA in the South doesn't have just the biggest market, especially Mississippi where there's no... Outside of Memphis, maybe Birmingham, yeah. And so... If uh, if you're not watching baseball right now, there's really nothing. If you're not watching college baseball right now, there's really nothing yeah. to watch. So try it. You Give know, it pick a shot. your team. Yeah. I know you're a fan of some college team, so yeah. more than likely they're a team from the SEC. Yeah. Just buy in. Give it a shot. Yeah. It at the very minimum, it is something you can leave on in the background right. and do your chores to and be entertained in the process. And honestly, outside of A&M and Auburn in the West, if you like a team in the West, and I mean, state's not great, but outside of A&M, Auburn and state, if you like a team in the West, they're doing pretty good right now. Uh, now's the time to latch on. And even if you know, if you like one of those teams hang in there, because I think state's going to get better as the year progresses. I think A&M going to get worse. They're seven and four right now. And they're just not a good, great baseball team. Like everybody thought, yeah, and uh, college baseball is a growing sport. It's not one of those things you got to worry about being a bandwagon fan. Just jump yeah. on. Just jump know. on. Jump on. Every, couple quick, come on in. The water's fine. That's it. Uh, a couple quick NFL notes as we close out. Did you see kind of some of the talks coming out of uh, the NFL Combine? There's been some some rumors flying around about some NFL superstars. First of all, Derek Carr did the Raiders dirty, and rightfully so. Did you see that? Uh, not as it pertains to the Raiders, but I know that he's a saint now, which I believe is, uh, make your point. Then I'll talk about it. So my thing is towards the end of the, the trading block, kind of towards the end of the season, after the season, leading up to the combine, there was talks of the Raiders trading him to the saints. That was one of his trade right. destinations. And he said, no, and he has a no once, trade clause. Right. And he, but he said he would wave it and he entertained the saints came back to Raiders said, no, I'm not going to the saints. They cut him. And then what does he do? He signs with the Saints instead of getting the Raiders two draft picks for him. <laughs> well, and I could be wrong about this because I'm not really a salary cap guy when it comes to the NFL. But if you're traded, you are beholden to the contract in which you are on. Mm-hmm. So what Carr did is I'm sure he met with the Saints and said, what kind of extension will you give me? Mm-hmm. Well, instead of an extension, they couldn't work out an extension. He just said, Okay, when his money became due with the Raiders, they just cut him, and then he signed a four-year deal with only two years of it guaranteed. And so it was a team-friendly deal in terms of years. Now, he's going to be making a ton of money. Listen, the Saints uh, need it too because they are well within the luxury tax, and they've got to make some moves, or they're going to they're well within the luxury tax now. Well, and for me and uh, our compadres, uh, including yourselves, Tennessee Titans fans, who – seem to be always looking for a quarterback. Uh, it seems like you're going to have Tannehill again. Mm-hmm. But what I told all them going into it is that if you could give me any quarterback in this draft as a Saints or in this league right now uh, that are free agents or could be traded for, give me Aaron Rodgers one, give me Derek Carr two. And the reason why is because Derek Carr has the ability to do everything. Now, he's never won the big game, but he's always been on – trash teams i mean let's be honest he's he's been he's never been the reason why they win but rarely and i guess i may be wrong but it doesn't feel like he is often the reason why they lose 
solely him. It's a bit of a reach, but but I, I you know what, what he's saying, stepping like, into though. You're, what he's, he's stepping he's into not, is I'll, I'll, I'll hold on. I'll make a point to kind of to go along with it. Like yes, he had Devontae Adams, but they also had Henry Ruggs, who was supposed to be all world. And now he's in prison where he belongs and had an opportunity to really. But like Darren Wallen was hurt. He's never really had the pieces that he needed, and he's stepping into a pretty good Saints lineup. Um, particularly, I mean, all he's got to do is throw a slant to Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas is just going to get rack up yards running the same route every single time down the field. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what he's stepping into now, I don't, if they cut Michael Thomas tomorrow, I don't care. You know, he's a, he's a locker room cancer. Yeah. But what he's stepping into and the most important part of going for Derek Carr's upside is that you've got a top 10 defense. Yeah. And they were a top 10 defense last year when they scored no points, like right, zero nothing. points. I mean, your quarterback nothing. for Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. And so. uh, probably both of them are gone now. Yeah. And then the other big news, you know, Aaron Rodgers being entertained by the Jets. That's kind of a, a bigger deal for Packers fans. He's got an opportunity to move to New York. Nothing's official yet, but that's one of the destinations that have been entertained by Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers trying to piece something together to see if that'll work out. And then my Tennessee Titans, speaking of, we cut Taylor Lewan a couple weeks ago. We cut Bud Dupree uh, last night or this morning, clearing up cap space. And then there was rumors at the combine that Derrick Henry has been on the trading block just to see who we can get, see if there's anything, any kind of moves that we could make, who's interested. You know, Derrick Henry, and, and I'll, I'll kind of get my thoughts on it real quick. Derrick Henry's 29. That's kind of the kind of the cliff that running backs fall off of. That's the time where running backs really start, <clears throat> excuse me, getting into the twilight of their career. 29 years old is is an old NFL running back. Maybe not for you or I, Uncle Buck, but that's an old NFL running back. And so I understand he's in the twilight of his career, but Derrick Henry is not normal. Derrick Henry is part predator. Derrick Henry is somebody that can <clears throat> completely change your franchise, completely carry a team as he has carried the Tennessee Titans the last few years. Part of me gets it. Like, again, he's in the twilight of his career, but it's Derrick Henry. And we don't have a, we don't have wide receiver run one. We don't have somebody that a quarterback that's all world. We don't have, you know, you know, Lamar Jackson or somebody like, like we have Ryan Tannehill, like Derrick Henry is our offense. And you, I understand you, you kick the tires, but it's Derrick Henry, man. You have Derrick Henry and what should be the twilight of his career. We don't know what Derrick Henry's career. Yeah, that's what I just, he's a freak, man. He's part yeah. predator. He's like a genetic wonder. But given the obvious gaps everywhere and the seemingly willingness to shed salary, uh, I think it's smart to at least see what's out there. I don't. And if somebody makes you a stupid offer, then take it and don't and hope you don't end up with a Ezekiel Elliott situation. Yeah, you know I don't dis- necessarily disagree. You know Buffalo, the Chiefs, uh, the Bears are teams that are interested in Derrick Henry and they have some draft capital 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 available just to maybe make a move. Again, I don't think you necessarily like push hard. But you just kind of put out feelers and say, hey, he might be available for the right price and see what you can get. Yeah, I, I typically I, I tend to agree with you. Um, the only other news I'll just mention, uh, Lamar Jackson got franchise tagged. Kind of. Um, huh? 
He kind of he got the one he got the what is it the non exclusive franchise tag right. basically still entertain yeah to put it in NBA terms he is a restricted free agent right. you're allowed to get an offer sheet but mm-hmm. the Ravens have the right to match it match it uh, I think it's smart for the Ravens yeah. I mean yeah. L- Lamar's great and I, this is not a a criticism of Lamar but what you see a lot of times when teams overpay for for decent quarterbacks or you can't put the requisite team around them. Mm-hmm. However, what the Ravens have done is they've not put anybody around him. No. And they traded Hollywood. Like they traded right. the guys they had. So that he has no weapons. And now he, he is, he is going to be gone from there as soon as he can. He, they've not given him any weapons. They will not put their money where their mouth is on his own contract. Mm-hmm. He has openly said that he wants to get paid. He is not yeah. going to take, He's not going to do the, you know, Brady thing or the where you take a little less money so you can get a few more toys to play with. You know, yeah. he's just he not going to do it. And shoot, it's his life. Make all the money you can. You're not guaranteed next year. That's what I, you're in the I, NFL. Got a, I got a major beef with people who are like, oh, they're NFL fans. What's another or NFL players? What's another two million dollars? Like the shelf life of an NFL career is less than five years. So you've got five years to make money that has to last you forever because it's not like they're an engineer or a PT that they can go find another job. Like, I mean, I'm sure they can, but this is their opportunity to make generational wealth. Go get your bag, man. Absolutely get your bag. And ask any other rich person. Yeah. You know, you can't as, – as somebody who makes – Less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'll just put it at that. That's pretty wide open, you know. Probably, probably speaks for most of our followers, you know. Yeah. You know, if you want to make it one hundred fifty, fine. But for myself, let's just say, round number less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That would be like me, somebody saying to me, uh, "Who cares? You know, you know, that's an extra five hundred bucks. Who cares? Like, you know, it matters. Yeah. I mean, it's relative. You know, yeah. if I'm if I'm making Twenty million dollars a year. Don't you think I'd rather make twenty five? Yeah. Like, let's, let's, that's five million dollars. Especially when your you know? opportunity to make twenty five million dollars is less than five years. Right. I will have to work for, you know, thirty five to forty years. Right. You know, this guy's got an opportunity <clears throat> in a short amount of time to make enough money for his grandkids. Yeah. And his great grandkids, if spent wisely, and more you know, money than you and I with our careers will make in our lifetime in a five year span. Yeah. Put together and multiplied by 10, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So get your bag, Lamar Jackson. Real quick, your Ole Miss Rebels are fighting, man. You're up three with a minute to go in the second half uh, against South Carolina. Just hurry up First. and lose so they'll hire Chris Beard. <laughs> You're up by three they say they're not gonna make a they're not going to make any kind of announcement until they're out. So let's yeah. not make a run here. Let's just lose them. Y'all were up by eight, and now it's down to a three-point lead. So we'll see. Ah, there happens. we go. We're trending <laughs> in the right direction. We long we went long tonight, man. We had a lot to cover. You got anything else you want to talk about? Any any other topics, Uncle Buck? No, I believe, like you said, we went a little long. Our draft went a little long tonight because we went down memory lane. That tends mm-hmm. to happen. Um, little things sprinkled around, small topics, nothing really jumps to mind on that. Yeah. And so I'm good with uh, hitting the brakes here and and uh, picking up where we left off next week. Listen, if you made it this far, you have made history for the longest episode of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. We appreciate your patronage, appreciate you sticking with us as we ramble from topic to topic tonight. 
Uh, as always, please, five-star review, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Give us a like, share, follow on social media. Help us grow our following. You know, if uh, I tell you what, if you go on and you share one of our posts to your story with a comment or you share it with a friend and tag us in it, I'll make Uncle Buck give you a shout-out on next week's podcast as we try and grow our following. You know, you're always just going to throw me out there. When do you get some skin in the game? <laughs> Listen, you're the you're the personality here, man. I'm throwing you out there. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with you, but you're the guy in elementary school that says, I bet you won't go slap her on the butt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Fine. I tell you what, you give it a share, you get to pick your host for your shout out. How about that? There you you pick your host. You want Uncle Buck, you want Buckets. You get to yeah. pick your host. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, All right, Buckets, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing this again. I'm glad for all the people who come and hang out with us. We appreciate you. Uh, check out our social medias. Interact with us. Two Buck Sports Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Two Buck Sports Podcast on YouTube. And we'll be back next week. Enjoy it, brother. We'll see you next week. Thank you.